Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, July the 25th, 2022. It is currently 3.01 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. I need to ask you a question. I know I began a lot of my podcast episodes by starting with question or questions. Sometimes I feel like, well, I'm just doing the same thing over and over, but I really like that approach because I like presenting questions to people to get you to think. So if you feel like I do it too much and you have a complaint against it, please let me know. But I I like starting with questions. So are you ready? I need to ask you some very important questions. When you look at the world, And you see some of the things that they believe, some of the ideas and concepts that they are promoting. When you look at the behavior of many in the world, when you, as a professing Christian, when you look at the world and you see the things they do, the things they believe, and the things they promote, do you find yourself getting emotionally upset, getting angry, getting bothered? Do you find yourself mentally having lots of issues with it. Do you find yourself, to use this phrase, do you find yourself emotionally and mentally experiencing some some kind of a short circuit in your emotions and thinking because you're so bothered and you're so upset? You look at the world and you're like, I cannot believe they're doing that. And did you see what they're doing here? And they're trying to do this. And I can't believe this. And in a, it's like a computer, too much is coming in and boom, you, you short circuit. Everything just blows up and, and you just have a hard time dealing with it. Have you ever experienced that? Have you? Is that a common experience? Or do you have a different approach when it comes to what the world is doing and what they believe and what they are promoting? Now, I will argue that if you look at at least portions of Christianity, they're always experiencing some kind of a short circuit in their emotions and in their thinking when they see what the world does. I mean, look at how many Christians responded to the Disney movie Red. You're like, Whoa, would everyone just calm down? So many times Christians are up in arms and we're mad and we're upset and we're all over social media posting our frustrations and aggravations. Now, to be fair, to be fair, social media is not always an accurate representation of the culture at large and it's not an accurate representation of the church at large. But I I think it's safe to say that we live in a time where the world is constantly outraged and upset and they're experiencing their own short circuitry, right? Their, their, own, their, their own circuits are short circuiting, I guess. Is that the correct way to state it? They're getting upset. They're getting mad. They're getting angry. And the church just follows suit. We get upset and we have some kind of a short circuit because we get upset and we get angry. I think you can agree that that's, this is just something that happens in our culture today. Everyone's outraged. Everyone's mad. Everyone's upset. Everyone's frustrated. But is that the way a Christian should respond? Now, the only reason I'm bringing these questions up, the only reason I'm asking all of this, is because today I came across an article that's entitled, The Faith Double Standard. The Faith Double Standard. And I'm like, that's an interesting title. The Faith Double Standard? Like, what do they mean by the Faith Double Standard? What do they mean by that? Now, I haven't read everything in the article. 
because I just read about three paragraphs and I stopped. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I don't know where this article is going. I don't know what conclusions they're going to come to. I, I don't know everything they're going to say, but I'm going to stop right there and turn on the microphone and just say, hey, guys, what do you think about this? And, and even though we may have to pull this one paragraph out of the rest of the article, I think it's very relevant to how many Christians think in regards to the world and regards to culture around it. You can tell me what you think, right? This is how it begins. Here's how the article begins. If you emotionally and mentally short-circuit while watching the bizarre beliefs and actions of non-Christians become literally more bizarre on a daily basis, then I recommend you take the advice I heard William Lane Craig dole out on one of his podcasts. And here's the advice. Don't expect non-Christians to think and live like Christians. Now, on one hand, I think that's great advice, right? Hey, hey, what do you expect? We should expect the lost world to live like the lost world. We should expect non-Christians to think like non-Christians. We should expect non-Christians to promote ideas that are in opposite, opposition to Christianity. We should expect that. And we should not allow ourselves to experience a short circuit and get all upset and get angry. So in one hand, I agree with that. But I have to... There's something else I have to at least ask here. Why is it that Christians are so very good at recognizing, calling out, condemning everything the world is doing? I mean, just, just listen to the way this is even written. If you emotionally and mentally short circuit when watching the bizarre beliefs and actions of non-Christians become literally more bizarre on a daily basis, see, the bizarre actions, the bizarre beliefs, they're all outside the church. See, outside of Christianity, they are the bizarre ones. They see that this, this first paragraph gives away, I think, a problem and the, and the thinking of many Christians. And, and before we even get any further into the article, this is where I, I, I want to start right here. I think many Christians get so upset about what's going on in the world because Christians are very preoccupied with what the world is doing, what the world is believing. Christians are very preoccupied with it. And it's something about Christianity that seems to create this mindset. I thank God that I'm not like one of those. I thank God that I'm not like one of these. I thank God that I'm not, you know, a part of the LGBTQ world. I thank God that I'm not in the transgender world. I thank God that I don't believe this. I thank God that I'm not a Democrat. I thank God that I'm not progressive. I thank God that I don't believe this way about abortion. I thank God. I, 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 it feels like Christians have this mentality where we constantly look at what the world is doing and we condemn it and we judge it and we speak against it, but we seem to have a hard time looking at our own selves. I mean, the article that focuses, hey, hey, see, your issue is, you get, according to this article, this first paragraph seems to imply whether I think I think I don't think it's explicitly stated. Maybe it's more explicit than I'm than I than I'm wanting. I'm trying to be careful and trying to be nice. I guess what I'm trying to do. But the article seems to imply, definitely implies, 
you, you, you can argue with me how explicit you think it is, but it seems to go like this. Yes, the world's behavior is bizarre and it's messed up. And what's causing you to get so upset is simply because you have a wrong expectation about what Christians should and shouldn't be doing. You need to change your expectations. You need to change your expectations. Well, my issue is, I don't know if we should change our expectations as much as we have to first change our focus. You see, I, I think the issue is, and I think this is this is giving it away, is that so many times within Christianity, we're always looking at those people, those, 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 those. Look at them. Look at them. It's always about the them. It's never about the us. It's always about the them. It's ne- it's always about the world and not the church. See, yes, I do believe that this advice here is, is very good. You, well, you should change your expectations and stop expecting the world to live like Christians. I think that that is great advice, but I think there's a problem before that. I think the issue is we have to change our focus. Why are we so preoccupied with what everyone else is doing? The church seems to have this built-in like idea that all we're ever going to do is look out the window like nosy neighbors and condemn what everyone's doing. I think maybe the church needs to replace all of its windows with mirrors. And instead of looking out at the world, we look at ourselves. Now, if you think about it, if we spent more time in God's word, maybe we would, we would, we would understand that God's word is supposed to be a mirror to, to show us ourselves. I think, I think the problem here that this, this order, and again, I, I'm not in any way saying that the advice is wrong because I've given the same advice. Well, what do you expect from the world? You should expect them to act ungodly. You should expect, why do you are placing expectations on the world that is just ridiculous? They're unregenerate. They're lost. But I think, I think the first issue is we have to change our focus and the focus needs to be on ourselves before it's on anyone else. Then secondly, I think we need to change our expectations. We should not expect unbelievers to live like believers. And we should not be trying to force unbelievers to live like believers through political means or whatever else we try to do. So we need a different focus and we need different expectations. I completely agree with the, the different expectations, I just believe that there's a there's something that comes before. We have too much of this in Christianity. I thank God that I'm not like those. Instead of more of, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. We as the church, we are sinners. That we sin and thought, word, and deed. We sin in what we do. We sin in what we leave undone. We are sinners. Change of focus, change of expectation. But the article doesn't stop there. All right, here we go. I'm going to read this again. If you emotionally and mentally short circuit while watching the bizarre beliefs and actions of non-Christians become literally more bizarre on a daily basis, then I recommend you take the advice I heard William Lane Craig dole out in one of his podcasts. Don't expect non-Christians to think and live like Christians. Don't you feel better now? Trust me, letting this truth settle into your soul is calming for you as well as for the unbelievers with which you interact. You won't go insane trying to figure out why people do what they do, and you'll be much less likely to wag your finger at non-Christians and instruct them 
to uh, fall in line with the standard to which they can't adhere. Now stop right here. All right. Once again, first, our focus needs to be different. It needs to be on us before it's on the world. Second, our expectations must be different. We can't expect the lost world to do so. But listen carefully to what happens here. All right. Because on one hand, I agree with the article up to this point. I agree. Right. We need different expectations. I just think that they forgot to, to, uh, to address the focus problem. We have a focus problem. We have an expectation problem. Right. So I would just add something to it. But so far, I'm in agreement until they say one thing and you probably did not catch it. I'm going to read that last paragraph again. Here we go. Listen carefully. All right. Don't expect non-Christians to think and live like Christians. Don't you feel better now? Trust me. Now listen to this paragraph. Letting this truth settle into your soul is calming for you as well as for the unbelievers with which you interact. You won't go insane trying to figure out why people do what they do. And you'll be much less likely to wag your finger at non-Christians and instruct them to fall in line, listen carefully, with a standard in which they, they can't adhere to. Oh, this is so subtle. This is so subtle. Okay, I want you to hear what they're telling you to do. Hey, stop expecting non-Christians to live like Christians because that standard that we have as Christians, those lost people, they can't adhere to it. The implication is we can. See, we can adhere to a morality which they cannot. So once again, even though it's saying don't have that expectation for them, it's still creating this idea that we can follow a moral code better than lost people. We can adhere to a system of morality better than lost people. We have the ability. It still creates this idea I thank God I'm not like them because there are a bunch of lost people who can't adhere to the standard, but I thank you, Lord, that now I can. So listen, if we need to change our focus and focus on ourselves before unbelievers, and if we need to change our expectations (laughs) in regards to unbelievers, Don't we need to have a more realistic understanding of our capabilities? Because this is putting forth an idea. Look, hey, don't expect them to to follow the standard because they cannot. The implication is you can. You can keep it. Let's see if if that's where they're going to go. Let's see if that's where they're going to go. All right, let's listen carefully. That's right. It's not just it's not just that they don't want to live by God's law, they can't obey his standards for living. Now according to this, this is seem, seeming to say, hey, you cannot have that expectation because you need to understand they can't do it. They can't keep it. They can't live meet, meet God's standards for living. The implication is we can. Now this still creates that Look at, hey, I don't expect you to, but if you'll become like me, you can. It still creates this feeling, I thank God that I'm not like them. Let's see if if I'm right. Now, this is where I stopped reading. Now, let's together 
investigate this further and see what their argument is. Listen to what Paul says. The mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul also writes to the Corinthians, but a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The inherent moral Inability is also why Jesus said this about salvation. No one can come up to me unless the father who has sent me draws him and I will raise him up the last day. And why Paul told his readers, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Witnessing to, but not expecting or coercing non-Christians to live like Christians benefits everyone. But here's the rub. Don't expect the other side to return the favor. Right, now, let, let's see where they're going to go. Now, I just want to make sure you make, they, they, they're making a clear case that the world cannot meet God's standards. And I completely agree that the world cannot meet God's standards. But let me add something. Neither can you. Neither can I. There isn't a believer on the planet who meets God's standards for living. Let me just give you one of them. Be ye holy as I am holy. There's never been a Christian who in their practical life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, has ever lived one second a life that is holy as God is. You never fulfill that. You never love your neighbor. You never love your neighbor as yourself. Love God supremely. You never love God supremely. You fall short of God's standards 24-7. So if you're going to create this idea, don't expect lost people to live like Christians because they can't. But hey, we can, you are just as deceived as the one who has the wrong expectations. You're just as deceived as the one who has the wrong focus. We need the right focus. The focus should be on our failure and our sin before it's on anyone else's. Second, we have a, we should have the correct expectation. We should, this should be our expectation. They can't keep God's standards. We can't keep God's standards because no one can keep God's standards. Now, the sad part, this idea is missing within the evangelical church. Let's continue reading. Now, I said, now it says, hey, we, we should then have the right expectations for the world, but don't expect them to return the favor. Jesus' first century world, Jesus' first century world had every appearance of live and let live where religion was concerned. Lots of people, lots of gods, and lots of different moral and religious practices. Fast forward 2,000 years, and you have the same type of thin veneer of acceptance in our culture. Words like diversity, inclusion, all dominate the airwaves, corporate HR departments, and entertainment. But just like in Jesus' day, if a Christian steps out of the invisible boundaries set by those dominating the secular culture or make any exclusive claims about morality and God, then live and let live becomes live and let die. Put another way, non-Christians expect Christians ultimately to ultimately and practically go about life 
and a in pu- public like non-Christians. So they're going to flip this around and say, see, hey, we, we understand that they're not Christians and we expect that we have to learn to expect them to live like non-Christians. And that's what we should do. But don't expect them to do the same for us because they won't do that. They want you to live like a non-Christian and they will come after you and they will condemn you. Well, we'll, we'll slow, once again, the article is focusing on the world. Wait, you're telling me Christians have not run around throughout the entire history of Christianity trying to shove our morality down their throats, trying to make them live like Christians? We, If we don't like something, we want movies boycotted. We want streaming services shut down. We want to boycott Disney because we don't like it. We, we, we're always trying to get our way. We, Christians wanted MTV canceled. Christians wanted, well, any music that has explicit lyrics, we want a warning label put on it. We, I mean, Christians are always running around trying to do that kind of stuff. So how can you say, he's almost presenting an argument like, well, they're just as Christians, we're just like, you know what? We, we let live and let live, but the world won't let, the world's always against us. I've said it before. Christians are the one who perfected cancel culture. But this whole thing is still missing the point. It's still trying to make a point that, hey, we we should not have expectations upon Christians because they can't keep the law, but they clearly are implying that somehow we do and that we can. They go on to say, and in fact, this seems to be the whole, the, the, this this is the whole argument. In fact, that's it. That, they, don't, they don't even address anything else. It says, I think unbelievers see we don't live uh, then Christians. Uh, okay, I, I think someone in chat is saying, I think unbelievers see we don't live then Christian life. I, I agree. I, I think unbelievers constantly see our failure and our shortcomings. I think that that's what they see. But this is just this article, and I'm not going to read all of it because I, I, the point simply is for them, hey, as Christians, we don't have any expectations for the world to live like Christians. We just, we don't place those expectations on them, right? But guess what? The world demands that we live a non-Christian life. And I, 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 that, that is ridiculous to me that that is that to me is so just utterly like, what, what are you, t- you, you want to talk about the history of Christians trying to make other people live like Christians? Do you want to talk about the history of it? I mean, give me a break. Christianity is filled with that nonsense. Christians have been doing it forever. And now Christians are going to, now we're going to have a Christian article at the Christian Post whining that, you know, we'll, we'll let, we understand that they are not going to live like Christians. And so we live and let live, but <laughs> they won't let us. They're so mean to us. <laughs> it's like, what kind of whininess is this? We've been doing it forever. But that goes completely against the point I want to make. Here's the point I want to make. So let's go through this again. In fact, I think the double standard here, see, they call this the faith double standard because they believe the double standard is the world. That Christians, see, we try to let you live and let live, but the world won't. So it's a double standard. They're placing, they're blaming the world for the double standard. The double standard is inside the church. 
the blind to reality is inside the church. So let me state this again. First, we need a correct focus. And that focus should always be, we judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We, we start with ourselves. We look to ourselves. Before we look out the window, we look in the mirror. Before we judge everyone else, we judge ourselves. Before we take the word of God and apply it to anyone else, we, it's already been applied to us. So we need a change of focus. Second, we need a change of expectation. And that expectation has to be this. Not just we shouldn't expect the world to live according to God's standards, we can't, we should not expect anyone to live to God's standards because no one can. Now, you're saying, so you're saying we should just do whatever we want? I did not say that. The difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is that we should have a desire to want to follow after God's standards, but we're never going to do so. It's this myth within evangelicalism that seems to say, before you're saved, you couldn't keep the law. But now that you're saved, you can keep the law. Which seems to imply Jesus simply saved us so that we could now live perfect lives. But Christians play this game. Before you're saved, you couldn't keep the law. Now that you're saved, you can keep the law. And then we wait about three seconds and then they go, but... However, you can't do it perfectly. Well, if I can't do it perfectly, that means I'm still enable of keeping it. As long as you acknowledge that we are all incapable, that's a better way of looking at it. The world can't do it. We can't do it. Now, what's the difference then between us and them? In Christ, I've kept the law perfectly and I'm declared righteous because of an imputed righteousness. They don't have an imputed righteousness, so they stand condemned where I stand saved. But it's not because of what we do and keeping the law, it's based on what Christ did. And I find it interesting that they made a reference here, they, they quoted, uh, they quote apart from, uh, well, this is what they say. I'll go back to this paragraph. Listen to what Paul says. The mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. They said that's what that's what Paul said. But wait a minute. Let, let me read something else Paul said. And Paul said this about himself. This is what Paul said. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind... I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. That's what Paul said about himself. That's Romans 7, 25. That comes right after Paul said the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Why does Paul acknowledge that he's going to continue to fall short and going to continue to sin? Because salvation is cannot, never has, will be based on what we can do. Well, once we realize, you know, why it can never be based on what we do, because we are incapable of doing and living according to God's standard. Therefore, we need Christ righteousness imputed to us. Well, then this creates a situation where when I look at the world, not here's, they can't keep the law and I can't keep the law. The difference is now as a believer who's put their faith in Jesus, I should care about the law, believe what God says about right and wrong and want to do so, even though I'm going to fall short. The difference Christianity makes is, no, well, now I believe there's a God. I believe that this is his word. I believe that what he says about morality is right, not what I feel. And I want to do what God calls me to do, even though I know that I will fall short. 
This implies, hey, those poor people in the world, they can't do it. And here's what's interesting. Why do you care that the world's not going to to supposedly return the favor? If if Christians are going to be the ones going, you know what? We don't expect you to live like Christians, so we're not going to place that expectation upon you. Why then would you should expect the world to return the favor because you've already said they can't keep the law. What, what would they know about fair? What would they know about justice? What would they know about right? So why are you complaining about what you said? I should, you're, you started the article by telling me I should not place any expectation on them. And then you're complaining that they don't live up to a certain expectation. I, I, it's just crazy. It says we're, we're expected of course. Now see now, Please note, this, this is the complaint. See, now that is Christians. So we don't expect them to do it because, you know, we, 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 we've got it all figured out. But then look what they complain about. As a Christian in the culture today, we're expected to accept, celebrate, and participate in the reality-bending assertions and anti-biblical behaviors of unbelievers. We're required to stay, stay silent and, and complain as God is systematically removed from society. We're told not to push our beliefs on anyone, yet sit back quietly while, while the belief of others are pushed on us. This is the double standard of secular philosophy uh, um, marinating our culture in its faith. And it's a faith one even recognized by the IRS. Philosopher John Dewey admitted such in a book, A Common Faith, where he says, let's take humanism and make it the militant religion of the public schools. Here are all the elements for a religious faith that shall not be confirmed, confined to sect, class, or race. Such a faith has always been implicitly the common faith of mankind. It, rem- it remains to make it explicit and militant. It's a double standard that tells us to keep our religion out of the public realm, while at the same time telling us its religion should be welcomed and have a home in society. So, But what's so funny is it's complaining about it. The article begins with... You shouldn't expect the world to live like Christians. They can't do so. Well, if they can't do so, they're incapable. Then why are you complaining that they want to treat us unfairly? It not, shouldn't that be your expectation? Well, of course they're going to be unfair. Of course they're going to have a double standard. Of course that's what they do. So either you are not really imp- applying what you just said about our expectation or you're just contradicting what you just said. There's a double standard. Yeah, okay, so what? But wait a minute. There's never any double standards with Christians, are there? None. No. Never any double standards within the world of Christianity. None. Has it, How about we look at the double standards that we are guilty of? The article ends with this. Admittedly, it, is, it says, there, okay, I'll go back to... Um, I'll go back to what the paragraph before. Um, well, I'll go back to three paragraphs. In the Christian church, we uh, were there were there rich and poor divisions like those in Athens and Rome? No, all were welcome. See, in the Christian church, were there rich and poor divisions like those in Athens and Rome? No, all were welcomed and treated equally. What about racial divides, as was seen with the Jews and Samaritans? Again, all were accepted and treated the same. Now, I got to stop right here and go. This is a bunch of absolute revisionist history. The church has had all of those problems. 
The church has had divisions between rich and poor. Read 1 Corinthians. They were divided. They were divided amongst religious leaders. They were divided. You're telling me the early church didn't have a problem with Jews and Gentiles? Yes, they had a problem and they had to constantly try to, to fix it. Are you telling me the church fixed all racial division back between Jew and Gentiles? The church practiced segregation and wouldn't allow people of color in some churches. There, there was segregation and, and, and supported segregation and supported segregation laws. The church has been guilty of all of these things. It's this revisionist history. Look in the church. We don't have divisions between rich and poor. We don't have divisions between race. We've got it all fixed. What kind of garbage is that? All were accepted and treated the same. You're telling me in church history, all were accepted and treated the same. You know what? No. Within the church, people have not all been accepted and treated the same. You know why? Because guess what? I can tell you something about people in the church, and I can tell you something about people who stand behind the pulpit, and I can tell you something about those who sit in front of a microphone and do a Christian podcast. We're sinners! Who sin? And yeah, you may tell you about the people sitting in the pew. They're sinners. They sin. Because none of us can fulfill and keep the law of God. The reason that happened and Christianity subsequently exploded is because believers back then understood that God chooses the lowly. And that they were many times inferior when it came to measuring up to others in the world. They understood their, their understanding of God's grace produced great humility. And thus they mirrored Christ who loved those that hated and crucified him. Are you going to tell me that was the way the church always read first Corinthians? The church is a divided mess fighting within each other. The, the churches are constantly at problems in the New Testament. There was division and fighting and arguing. And there was those. Even in James, it talks about how treating the rich person differently than the poor person. These problems remained in Christianity from the beginning, and these problems exist within Christianity today. And this makes some arguments like, the world, they, they, they just treat us so wrong. The world is so mean. But see, the church, we've got it all figured out. Admittedly, they go on to say, this is hard to do. Uh, admittedly, this is hard to do, as is this. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we slander, um, we try to you know, basically reconcile. But if you think you can hack it, it is good news for you. You actually can. Remember, with God, all things are possible. And that's how it ends. Hey, we can do all of these things. We can, we can handle ourselves the right way. The culture can't, but we can. This, this is the, the message of the evangelical church. Hey, okay, listen, listen, guys. Come here, come here. All right. Let's, all right, here in a minute, we're going to get out of the pew. We're going to go run and look out the window. All right. Now, let's go do it. Everybody ready? One, two, three. We go run to the window. Wow. Look at those ungodly people out there. Look at that. They're progressive and they're liberals and they support LGBTQ and they're sinners and they're drug addicts and they're alcoholics and they watch porn and they watch bad movies and they taught bad language and they're ungodly. Look at them. Look at them. Now, guys, 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 calm down. 
We got to have a right. We got to have the right expectation. Okay. The expectation is we can't expect those people to live according to God's standards because they can't. So we get, we can't place the wrong expectation, but please know something that mean, ugly world. They're going to place expectations on you. They're going to expect you to be quiet. They're going to expect you to shut up. They're, they're not going to be respectful to your religion. But you know what? You know what? You know what? We've got to handle ourselves in a godly way because the church always handles itself in a godly way. We, we're, not, we're not bothered by division among, you know, economic lines. We're not bothered in the church of a division among racial lines. We're, we, we don't have these problems because we're godly because guess what? They don't have God, but we do. So we can do all things. So we can do all of this stuff. That's really the message this article is putting forth. We can do it. They can't. I reject this entire argument. So let me tell you, this is the way we have to handle ourselves. First, a different focus. Stop focusing on the world. Focus on the church. I don't know if you realize it. We got a lot of problems in the church. I don't know if you realize this. I've got a lot of problems. Oh, 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 don't, don't be so judgmental. You've got a lot of problems. Okay. A lot Oh, you don't like to hear that? It's true. Stop pointing your finger at them. Stop looking out the window. Look in the mirror. Number two, we definitely need different expectations. Oh, we need different expectations. We should not expect the world to live like Christians. I completely agree. But you know what else our expectations should be? Is not only are they incapable of meeting God's standards, not only are they incapable of living according to God's standards, Everyone in the church is incapable of living to God's standards. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very true. I know you don't like that, but it's true. Different focus, different expectations. Number three, what we must continue to rely on and continue to try to explain to the world is that what separates us is that we've placed our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have been declared righteous by an imputed righteousness. And now that as a believer, I try to agree with what God says about morality and I try to pursue what he calls me to do. But I'm, I am going to sin because I'm incapable of keeping God's standards just like you are. And again, what someone said in chat, and because they, they added correction, I think unbelievers see we don't live the Christian life. I absolutely, the unbelievers know we don't. They see us fall short. They know we don't. Now, yes, do I believe sometimes unbelievers have some expectation that, hey, hey, no, 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 no. You cannot, the, the world does look at us today and go, nope, that belief is wrong. That belief is wrong. That belief is wrong. You can't believe that. That's bigoted. That's wrong. That's judgmental. You can't, you can't, you can't. I do believe that the world constantly tries to do that to us. I understand that. Now, I don't expect them to do anything different, but I just know, guess what? Churches try to do it, do it to them. They're... The, the church has been trying to do that to other people forever. 
To, in other words, you can't come up with revisionist history and act like the church, the church never tried to impose stuff on other people. And not only that, you can't turn around and deny all the problems in the church. Why is it that Christians have some romanticized version that Christians, Christians never struggle with racism. Christians never struggled with, with, you know, treating people differently because of their economic status. Christians have, have never been divided. There's never church splits. There's never divorce. There's never any problem. Christian, everything is per, you become a Christian and everything is perfect. It, that's just such garbage. Christian lives are filled with the same struggles, same difficulties, same mess-ups as we find in the world. You say, no, it's not true. Give me a break. I mean, just that. What I, this is what I love. All right, this is what I love. All right. So, this is what I love. We have, have, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, then we get to Acts. Okay, now Acts uh, shows, for the most part, the spread, the growth of the early church, but we see problems, right? We see problems between Jew and Gentiles, and we have the Council of Jerusalem demonstrating these problems existed, right? All right, so we make it through Acts. Then Romans, we have a lot, we have a lot of things going on in Romans, okay? But as soon as we get past Romans, right, we have 1 Corinthians. So early in the New Testament, if, if we're going in order this way, and guess what? We get to 1 Corinthians. We see a church. Every, there's division. There's problems. There's fighting. You have Christians suing Christian. You've got someone having relations with his father's wife. You've got, you've got every kind of issue going on in the church, Corinth. So early on, the church is a mess. Well, why did Paul say, hey, guys, 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 come on. You can do this. You can keep all the law. This, where's the double standard? They want to place the double standard in the world. The world has a double standard. The world has a double standard. I think there's a double standard in the church. I think think there's a problem in the church and our thinking about all of this. Now, I know I, I could I could try to flesh this out a little bit more. I could read a little bit more from the article. I just wanted to kind of just throw this out at you and see what you think. I just wanted to introduce it. I didn't want to take it all apart and try to put it all together. I, I love doing these kinds of podcasts where I'm just like, hey, I saw a little bit of this. Here's some of it. Now, what do you think? I like just trying to hand you something for you to kick around today. The, you go to the christianpost.com, christianpost.com. Look for the article, The Double Standard of Faith. The, uh, the, I'm sorry, the faith double standard. The faith double standard. If you can't find it, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. The faith double standard. I want you to read it. Please let me know your thoughts. But let me, I'll just make it very clear and I'll try to summarize my perspective. My perspective is this. The church constantly has the wrong focus. We are always looking at the world and getting upset about what the world is doing instead of looking at our own problems in the church. And the church has plenty. You don't believe me? Just find the, the report about the Southern Baptist Convention and sexual abuse within the Southern Baptist Convention. If that doesn't turn your stomach, make you sick, and make you possibly consider just giving up, I don't know what will, all right? So the church has got its own problems, but we're always looking at the world. Second, we've got the wrong expectations. We've got the wrong expectations, and the expectation is that we— that. 
The expectation is, and I'll say wrong expectation. Please hear it. I'm going to, I could break this down into like end of more points, but I'll just try to summarize this one right, because just to make it simple, here's our wrong expectation. On one hand, many Christians have the wrong expectation about the world and they try to make Christians live like Christians and expect them to live like Christians. That's a wrong expectation. But there's another wrong expectation. The expectation is the world can't follow God's law, but we can. That's the wrong expectation. Because now we have this expectation. You can't, guys, but we can. When reality, none of us can. And, and so we, we, we've got to figure that out. And then, so I think we have, we have to change our focus. We have to change our expectation. And I, I think we have to change our messaging. Our messaging isn't, it needs to be more about, hey guys, we're sinners just like you. We're saved because of an imputed righteousness, not because of being made righteous, but because of an imputed righteousness. I could break it down a little bit more as well, but I won't. I hinted at it, but I won't. All right, I'll stop there. I'd love to get your feedback. Newsif at yahoo.com. News, and I... <laughs> And if I've had a little, a bit of trouble speaking, I apologize. Apologize. I, if you know the situation here, we got a COVID situation here. I don't think, don't think I'm having any symptoms. I don't think. I think I've made it through it because if you don't know, I, I don't have any protection because I cannot receive the vaccine. Um, so I've, I've stayed away from COVID, but this situation, it's right here in my house currently. And I've isolated up here away from everyone. But today I've had a little, just a couple of breathing issues, all right? Just, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel anything. So, but I, so a couple of times there you may, <gasps> maybe I heard some weird breathing there. So I apologize for that. I'm going to go back. I think around the eight minute mark, it was like, <gasps> it was like this weird breath that I took. So um, almost like it sounded like I, I, I hiccuped. But um, if that's, if, if I have to, I will edit that out. But if there was any other issues there, I apologize. Because I always, I always hate when I'm done. I'm like, you know what? I don't think that sounded right. But this one, I did exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to say, hey, I read this article. What do you think? And now it's up to you to take. I did my part. Now I need you to do your part. Give me your thoughts. Okay? Email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. I'll be back on the air soon. Thank you for listening. God bless.